Hey, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give you a heads up that my free YouTube strategy class is available right now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. On the class, I reveal the one YouTube strategy we use at Think Media to generate over 330,000 views every single day. So if you're new to YouTube, this will help you start right and avoid mistakes. And if you're a YouTube pro, this training will help you multiply your growth. This class is 100% free and you can watch it now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. Now let's jump into today's show. The best speakers are not great speakers. They're great storytellers. Is it possible that anyone can cultivate this skill and even build it to a high level? Over time and with experience and with practice, that confidence is authentic, but guess what? You get good. What are some of maybe the emerging trends aspiring speakers should be aware of in the next few years? If you want to create content, on YouTube, on a podcast, on a stage, in an email. It doesn't matter. This is the most basic, most important thing you need to do. One of the best ways to power up your YouTube content, your online content, is by improving your communication skills. And this episode of the Think Media Podcast is gonna be packed with value. Our guest today is Christy Wright, who is a top-rated speaker at some of the largest events across the country for over a decade. She's a best-selling author, she's a prolific content creator, and she's really a business expert. And we're gonna be unpacking not just tips for how to be a better communicator, but even if maybe someday you would wanna get paid to share your message on stages, whether physical or digital. And then also talking about some lessons that she's learned from her time working at Dave Ramsey on YouTube, on marketing, on leadership, and even some of the business business backend that we need to know as content creators and entrepreneurs. And so Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm such a fan of you. I'm grateful for your friendship and so glad to be here. Thank you uh, for jumping on. I've been looking forward to this interview. And right off the top, um, I'm curious, what is the opportunity when it comes to speaking and presenting? I know most people don't identify as a speaker, but now we're in a world where right now we're both communicating. We're on a podcast. All of us as content creators are speaking on camera, but also is there an opportunity, do you think, for content creators to even enter into the world that you're a master at of speaking? Yeah, thank you for saying that. You know what's so interesting is as I have been teaching people in this in this world of speaking for the last year and a half, specifically since leaving Ramsey, where I feel called to help people communicate, how to talk in front of groups, how to talk on camera, how to speak and present and tell a story and make a joke and get your point across. What's been so interesting is most people don't have identify as speakers. No, not a lot of people are going, yeah, that's me. Because when you say speaker or even speaking, they picture this big stage, they picture big lights and sound and slides and an arena. And let's be honest, most speaking doesn't occur there. Some does, but not all of it. And what's so interesting is, to your point, the world we live in now, we're all speakers, podcasts, YouTubers, your entire audience, even business leaders that are leading a team, they're speaking in front of a group, or you're putting a reel out on social media that's speaking. And what's so interesting is there's just not a lot of content out there on this. And since I've had the privilege of, like you said, for 12 years, I learned from the best of the best. I spoke with the biggest names in the business world and the faith space on some of the biggest stages in the country. And so I learned over a decade of doing this, how to communicate effectively. And so now I really want to help people do that. And believe it or not, it's not as terrifying or as difficult as it may seem. It's just understanding a basic story arc of communication and understanding how to get through to people. And if you can help someone do that, 
they're going to make way more of an impact because they know how to get through and how to influence. One of the mindsets, though, that I'm sure comes up is, well, what if I'm not a naturally gifted speaker? I'm nervous. Is it possible that anyone can cultivate this skill and even build it to a high level? Yeah. I mean, it's a muscle, right? Like, it's like, I don't know. I wasn't a good cook when I started cooking years ago and I'm okay. I'm not amazing. I'm not like a natural, like sprinkle of this, a dash of that. No, I'm still following a recipe, but the reality is I've gotten better. And speaking is just like that. It's, it's, it's scary when it's new because if you've never been in that moment and maybe even some of your people watching this video, they've never actually uh, been in front of a group on a big stage or even gone on camera. They, they want to start a YouTube channel, but they haven't. These are people that it's only scary because it's new. Anything new is scary. You've never done it before. Of course, you're nervous. But the first time when you do it scared, your confidence grows. That fear lessens. And then you do it again and again. And that momentum propels you forward to keep practicing. And it turns out that over time and with experience and with practice, that confidence is authentic. But guess what? You get good because you're just willing to practice like anything. When you open up a Instagram reel or a YouTube short or a YouTube video, um, and you get to coach different people and consume content, specifically on the digital side. What are some of the mistakes that people make that is undermining their speaking or maybe hindering them from coming across as powerful as they could? That might even be some quick tips people could implement. Yes. Okay. If you were to say like, Christy, what is the number one thing? If you could just encourage people to do one thing that would change the game for their communication on a reel, on a podcast, on a YouTube video, on stage, doesn't matter. Okay. If, if I could tell them one thing to do, it would be to connect with your listener or your viewer on the problem that you're about to solve. And so many people miss this, Sean. They go straight into the solution, which when someone goes straight into the solution in any type of communication, they lose people because it feels like they're talking at you, not having a conversation with you. And so if I can give you just some a, a small sidebar here that applies to this, I think we we forget how the brain works in terms of communication. So every human brain is wired for survival, which means that all day, every day, every human brain is thinking one question. Why do I care? What's in it for me? Why do I care? Your brain and everyone you're trying to help, their brain is filtering all information through this one filter of what's in it for me? Why do I care? So think about yourself, this person, every single one of you watching, you're scrolling your phone. What posts do you stop at? You stop at those that interest you. You stop at those that that answer that question for you. They do something for you. Maybe it's something informational, like here's five steps to build your YouTube channel. Maybe it just makes you laugh. But you stop at the ones that do something for you, that answer that primal survival question your brain is thinking, why do I care? What's in it for me? You stop at those that do that and you scroll right past those that don't. So if you want to create content on YouTube, on a podcast, on a stage, in an email, it doesn't matter. This is the most basic, most important thing you need to do. You need to start by connecting with them on why they should care. So what that means is you set up the problem you're about to solve with your five steps. You set up the problem that helps draw them in and makes them lean in and listen and, and be curious for the solution. Now, let's just use a movie example, Sean. Every movie you and I have ever seen, every movie of all time has a problem. It has a conflict. That's what makes you excited to see the movie, hear the story, find out how it turns out. No one is going to see a movie called Mission Totally Possible. I was excited about that movie. That's a boring movie, Sean. So we need to start by connecting with people on the problem 
that we're about to solve through that individual piece of content. So here's a quick example. For years, I worked for Ramsey. I was a speaker on money for five years. So I got all kinds of money speaking examples. I would not walk into a room or post a video that was like, stop spending money. Stop spending money. Sean, get on a budget. Sean, cut up those credit cards. You need to invest. Sean, Sean, stop. Just stop it. That's talking at you. That's not having a conversation with you. So what I would do is I'd walk in the room and say, you know, I know what it's like to get paid every Friday and your money goes backwards. I know what it's like to sit at dinner with friends and be so scared that the server is going to come back and tell you that credit card has declined in front of your friends. I know the shame of calling my mom, asking her to put money in my bank account. I know that feel. You work too hard. You work too hard. Do you feel that? When you mm-hmm. connect with people on the problem you're about to solve, they lean in and go, I feel that. I care now. Tell me, Christy, how to budget. Tell me how to invest. Tell me how to cut up my credit cards. Every single piece of content you put out, whether it's a two-day workshop, a two-hour keynote or, or workshop, a course, a webinar, a three-minute YouTube video, a 60-second reel, every single one should start by connecting with the person on the problem you're about to solve, which is answering that most primal question they have. Why do I care? When you connect with them there, they stick around for the rest and they're ready to hear your solution. Man, this is so good. And that's such a powerful way to start. How then would you encourage us to organize an entire talk or an entire video? Like what's the format? Yep. Okay. So I'm going to give you the super basic version. Okay. I like dig into my full talk template in my course, but I want to give you a story arc that it follows because this is not this is not my brainchild. Like I, I have pulled pieces of what who I've learned from and learned from the best of the best, but it's a basic story arc that we see in all movies and all good stories. Okay. So in the movie world, it would be conflict and resolution, right? The language I would use would be problem, solution, action. So I want to break those down really quickly. Problem. You're going to connect with them on the problem that you're about to solve. So if it's money, it's like, man, it's so frustrating when you get paid and you have no money to show for it. Man, isn't it frustrating when there's more months than there is money and you can't pay your bills? Okay, there's a problem. We're, we're going, yeah. You want your listener at this point of the talk to go, yeah, yeah. frustrating, man, man, right? You're almost, <laughs> you're almost kind of pulling them into a pit, Sean, of like, we're going to go down, but don't worry. We're not going to stay there. We're going to bring them back out. But you need to acknowledge there's a problem if they are going to give a flip about your solution, okay? So you connect on the problem, you paint the picture. These are emotional words. A lot of times it's it's storytelling. It's connecting with people on the problem you're about to solve. My whole life balance keynote that I gave a few days ago and have given a million times starts. There's 15 minutes of building out the problem of feeling out of balance, a feeling weighed down by guilt, a feeling like I can't get through my to-do list, a feeling like I never have enough time, a feeling like my schedule is suffocating me. 15 minutes, Sean, of my whole 45 minute talk is spent on the problem. But what's so beautiful about this is that time investing and connecting with them is not only building trust, empathy, authority, credibility, it causes desire for your solution. So they're leaning in, they're scooching to the front of their seat, they're they're scooching forward to go, yeah, you feel out of balance. I do feel frustrated with this. I do feel overwhelmed by this. And they're ready to receive your solution. So the first one is just painting the picture of the problem. You can do it in 10 seconds on a reel. 15 minutes in a keynote, you can break this up however you want to, but every single piece of content should start with a problem. The second part is your solution. Now your solution can be just purely content that is a give, meaning there's no ask in it. Or if it's marketing, your solution could be your CTA. 
So if you're doing a webinar for an open cart for your course, for example, and this is your, your hour long webinar, you're going to paint the picture of the problem. The solution is going to be your, your ask, your pitch, your course, your, your product, whatever that is. Okay. So problem solution. Let's use an example that is just content driven where it's just a gift, like a reel. Okay. You, you transition between the problem and the solution with a very simple sentence. Like I'm giving you guys like a script. You can't screw this up if you do this, I promise. So after you've painted the picture of the problem and they're just fully depressed, okay? Like maybe not fully depressed, but they're feeling low. They're like, oh man, I'm so out of balance, right? Then what you're going to do is you're going to have a transition statement that might sound something like this, but it doesn't have to be this way. But that's not true. But you don't have to live like that. But it doesn't have to be this way for you, right? It's like there's a transition statement that now we're going from pit to mountaintop, from despair to hope to possibility, And then you begin to paint a picture of the possibility. What if you could go through your schedule and feel balanced even in your busy life? What if you could once in your life actually be proud of how you spend your time instead of beating yourself up at the end of the day? What if, what if, what if, what if? You're painting a picture of possibility and then you will give them your solution. I don't believe life balance is doing everything for an equal amount of time. I believe it's doing the right things at the right time. And when you do the right things at the right time, you will actually feel that sense of balance. So you're going to unpack your solution there, which is your, if you're giving a truth, if the problem is a lie, the solution's a truth. If the problem is um, a mindset, you're going to give them a different mindset. If the problem is a product, you're going to give them a different product as the solution, whatever it is, but you're giving them your solution. You're the expert. What is your solution? What is the one main thing that you want to deliver in this piece of content? And, and as a small sidebar, you need to know what that is. Because if you don't know what the most important thing of this piece of content is, I guarantee you your listener doesn't know and they won't remember. So I spend, for example, in my Stop Winging It course where I train people on crafting messages, the entire first lesson is literally about boiling your entire message down into one sentence. And this is your thesis statement. You don't have to do this for a reel, okay? You don't have to do this for every five minute YouTube video, but you do need to know what is your main point. Your audience can't remember 15 points. They can't even remember five. They can remember one. So you're going to give them that solution after your problem. You give them the solution. You're now pulling them out of the pit. This is hope, possibility. Here's how life can be with this solution, this mindset, these habits, whatever. And then you move into the action. So we've done problem, solution. The third section in this story arc is action. This is where you tell them what to do. So after you've painted this picture of possibility, the next logical thought because we all, our brains think in story. The next logical thought is, yeah, well, how do I do that? Yeah, I want, I want to be balanced. How do I do that? You can even say that in your transition. You can say, so you're probably thinking, yeah, I want to do that. How do I do that? I'm going to give you five steps. I'm going to give you three steps. I'm going to give you one thing you need to do today. This is where you move into the action part of your content. And you need to have action in your content. There should never be a piece of content that goes out. And this is a this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say it, Sean. I'm going to say it. There should never be a piece of content that goes out that does not have an action. And it doesn't have to be a call to action of a sale or an offer or a pitch. It just needs to be action, application of what you've taught. And and the one caution here is that because you live in this content daily, you undervalue the actions. But your audience doesn't live in this content daily. Do not assume they know how to apply your content. They are tired, busy, distracted, and they're about to start scrolling. Tell them exactly what to do. Step one, set up a budget. Step two, step three. It could be so basic. Let's say you have a talk on community. Step one, set up a Facebook group. Step two, for example, um, 
one of my resources is the Speaking Business Starter Kit. And in it, it's a that's a part of my course called Start Getting Booked. And one of the entire, a whole step that I spend time on, Sean, is you need a place for people to book you as a speaker. And I was like, I know. It's rocket science. People, all of you guys are going, this is not our strategy. But you don't have a process on your page for people to book you as a speaker. And if you want to get booked, you need like a path. You need like a form. You need a place for them. So don't assume they know how to apply it. They don't. They're tired, busy, distracted. And when you... Tell them what to do. What are your steps? What are your actions? One, three, five, four. Keep it short. Don't give them 45. When you tell them what to do, it's an incredible gift to them. And then the good news is they're actually going to act on what they learned from you, which is going to lead to results. And they're going to attribute those results they got to you. But it won't happen if you don't tell them what to do. So problem, solution, action. That's a very flyover of the story arc of any piece of content. And if you don't believe me, you can go to my Instagram page at Christy B. Wright and look at my reels. It follows that formula. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Every reel I start with, you know what's frustrating? You know what the problem is? You know what happened? Every single time, even in a 60 second reel, it's problem, solution, action. And if I can do it, I promise you, you can do it too. Man, this stuff is so cool, especially because I think about on YouTube, it's audience retention that matters most. Minutes matter most, holding people's attention. So when we start to apply better storytelling, better structure, greater clarity in what the problem is we're solving, and then also delivering that transformation, which is so many people, so many purpose-driven people listen to this podcast because yes, you can make a great living and yes, you can get a following, but ultimately our community really does want to make a difference in people's lives. And so I've got so many questions to ask you and we're going to cover a lot of topics, but you also mentioned, I just want to make sure Think Media Podcast listeners know, you mentioned your speaking business starter kit which is actually an entirely free gift. If you want to check this out, it's at speakingstarterkit.com. And of course, we'll link that up in the show notes. This is templates that if somebody wants to start getting booked as a speaker and paid as a speaker, what exactly is it? Yeah, so I love to take the thinking out of it for people because people are tired. And literally, if you give someone, like, give me a recipe, I'll go cook it. But don't make me think about how to do it and how to put it together. So these templates essentially tell you exactly what to put where. So if you want to copy and paste them, make them your own. But there's several really valuable templates. One is exactly what should go on your landing page. So if you want to get booked as a speaker, and for that matter, if you want to get booked on podcasts or anything, you need a path. If you tell people, hey, email me, they're not going to go to that trouble. It's clunky. You're not going to get the information you need. You need a landing page that has a form that has certain fields. And these fields, you know, where they fill out the information are going to be really important to help you understand, is this an event I want to say yes to? Is this an event I want to say no to? Is this an event I need more information on? So I give you a template for a landing page for you as a speaker. What needs to go on it? What information, your bio, your headshot, even what to put in your bio, how to talk about that. So that's going to be one of the templates. Another one is what I call the advancement form template. So if you are booked, then there's a lot of details that need to happen between you getting that initial inquiry and you actually being on stage or on podcast or on camera. And so this advancement form is again, a template where, you know, these are the questions I need to ask. Believe it or not, Sean, a lot of people that host events don't actually know how to do events. And what I mean by that is they will not think through some of the things that are things you need to know to prepare, to do your best, to knock it out of the park. And so this advancement form tells you every single field down to who is advancing slides. What format do you want the slides in? Is it keynote or PowerPoint? What's the objective of the presentation? Who's the audience? What are their fears? What are their frustrations? Everything you need to prepare 
to ever book, to ever get booked or speak in front of an outside group, a group that's not your tribe would go on this advancement form. So that's another really valuable one. And then another one is the pre-event call template. And so before I ever speak ever to anyone in any state, any audience doesn't matter before I ever go on stage for an event, I, especially when I'm delivering a keynote, I will have a pre-event call. And the reason is, and I'll share a ridiculous story, if that's okay. Um, the reason is, is because it helps me hear from the client who they are, what they need. How do I fit into the bigger picture of this event? What's the objective? What are their, what's their audience like? If you're going to connect with this audience on the problems they have, you need to know what problems they have. Don't assume you know what problems they have. Don't assume that you just know everybody. You may be able to have a, a life balance talk that's 70% the same, but 30% I change if I'm speaking to men entrepreneurs versus stay-at-home moms. The pain points feel different. The solution's the same, but the pain points and the examples and the analogies are different. I've got to understand that audience if I'm going to connect with them. And so taking the time to have that free event call, I give you specific questions in this template to ask. So you know exactly what to ask to understand that audience, to be prepared to give them your best. And there's a few other templates on uh, a one sheet, which shows you what to put on a one sheet. If you're pitching yourself, if there's an example where you do want to speak at an event and you want to do it for free because you're going to get leads or, or it's a great opportunity for exposure, then I, I walk you through a template on how to, a one sheet where it's like, headshot, bio, talk templates. Here's the things people might want to know about you if they're going to book you. And so it's just really valuable to give you these templates because you don't have to think and figure it out again tell people what to do. It's a gift to people. So take this template, copy and paste, and then you've got your, your whole system set up. Even you just describing it adds a ton of value to think about some of the pieces that go into getting paid to speak. And so, yes, definitely check that out. It's totally free, speakingstarterkit.com. And of course, everything will be in the show notes. And we'll circle back on that a little bit later. And actually, taking a step a little bit back, you know, one of the things that I think is exciting is... I think there's two people in our community. One maybe clicked on this video because they aspire to be a speaker. The other is the content creator who has been sharpening their voice through repetition, who has built up their YouTube channel. Maybe it's a smaller channel, but it's so powerful. We have so many students and so many people in our community that really kind of understand this idea of the riches are in the niches. They're like a subject matter expert in these smaller topics that is one of the coolest things that YouTube gives us the opportunity to do. And then doors could start opening up to uh, small events, to local events, to online opportunities. And so as we get into a little bit of the details for maybe those that would love to create an additional income stream from getting paid to speak, first of all, just paint the big picture. What is the opportunity when it comes to stages that you see right now? Well, it's really interesting because there is, an, and I think we all felt this with COVID, but there's an energy and connection, true connection that happens when you are in the room with someone that does not happen when you're not in the room. I just came back from Missouri and I had people coming to my table telling the, telling me their stories of how they started their business with Business Boutique. And they're bringing me my, my, my first book from 2017, Business Boutique. And it's got like tabs and, and sticky notes and highlight and they wanted me to sign it. There's nothing like that moment. There's nothing like meeting people in person, hugging their neck, signing their book, taking a picture. The energy that happens in a room is really, really powerful. If for no other reason than to remind you why you do what you do, because uh, there's, there's a disconnect when we're on camera. Now camera's awesome because you can reach a bazillion people that you can't reach in person, but don't dismiss the opportunity of sometimes getting out there and getting it and getting on stages, getting at events. 
The other thing that's really interesting is research shows that in-room conversions are really high, really high. So if you've got a, a book table, like I had a book table, you know, at the back of the room, or you've got a lead magnet you're pitching on, on stage and you've got an easy way, whether it's a QR code from your slide or a text in, some easy way from the, them to get that lead magnet, the conversions are so high. And so you have this awesome opportunity to bring people into your tribe that otherwise weren't in your tribe. And so, yes, if you get paid, that's amazing. Like, like you can make good money as a speaker. You can make really good money as a speaker, especially if you're good and word gets around that you're good. But you also have an opportunity to bring people into your business that otherwise you would have never had exposure to. It's, it's white space for you. Think of how much you pay for leads. If you, if you do paid ads or anything like that, you're in the room, you're getting paid to get leads. It's this awesome win, win, win. And then of course, if you do a great job, the conference is glad you're there. It's a win for them because you added value to their event. They look like the hero for bringing in this brilliant person on this topic. And so um, it's incredibly valuable. If, even if it's not your main line of business, I just really encourage people to try to get themselves out there. It only adds credibility and only adds opportunity in your business. Many talented speakers maybe never get paid bookings. What separates successful paid speakers from the rest. You and I have some mutual friends in this space. And so we disagree on some of this. Um, I'm, I'm adamant about being paid. I, I almost never do free speaking. I get lots of opportunities to speak for free. Unless it's a friend or the Lord calls me to, I don't, I don't speak for free hardly ever because I train people to get paid as a speaker. So it feels, you know, like not, not integrity issue, first of all. But second of all, this is something I've done for 12 years. It's something I've made good money in. And I know I'm super valuable when it comes to speaking on stage. And so for me, I definitely have a boundary there that I don't, outside of exceptions, I don't speak for free, like like at events and that kind of thing. If you're just getting started, it may make sense to speak for free. It may make sense to get opportunities to, to, to let word spread for you to get some reps where, again, strengthen that muscle. You get better and better over time. So it may make sense when you're starting out. But I would encourage you, there's a lot of opportunity, financial opportunity, but you have to set a fee and stick to it. You can't set a fee and then over here, you're just doing everything for free because word spreads in the event world. And what will happen is word will spread. Oh my gosh, we got Sean. He was so amazing. And no, he totally did it for free. Did it for free. Did it for free. Word's going to spread that you're this amazing free speaker and everyone's going to expect to be for free. It will be very hard to charge again. So I'm the opposite. I charge my fee. It's the same fee I had at Ramsey and I hold people to it every now and then, you know, we'll negotiate I'll do something for less or if it's a friend or, or, some, or if it's easier, like, you know, if it's a virtual event or if it's um, same day in and out, or if it's here local, yeah, you can always adjust it. You can always take things that are less than your fee if you want to, but it's really hard to charge if you're always doing things for free and everybody just expects you to. How can a speaker determine if their message is marketable or in demand? And when I think about, again, some of our students, um, what's wild is they've got cooking shows, um, they've got car repair shows, they're talking about fishing. So there's maybe these niche passions. And then of course, they're a tax professional, they're in real estate, they're CPA. And there are sometimes maybe in an industry that seems uh, not super flashy. Yeah. And, and so maybe in determining, is the message marketable? Is this message in demand? And how do I find the types of stages that fit my message? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say the people that have messages that are in specific industries, that's a no brainer. Like, yes, you're marketable. Accountants. Like I would, I used to bring in for Business Boutique, we had a three-day business event. 
I always would bring in an accountant to do a breakout and do an interview on stage because Lord knows, Sean, I don't know accounting. I don't know details. That's not my strength. I'm not even going to pretend to teach on this. I need someone that's an expert. So whether it is at a business event and you've got a specific breakout adding value or you're at some type of a industry specific conference, I have one woman in my mastermind right now and she is this elevator inspection business. Talk about niche, like niche, niche, whichever one. She is, she is niche, elevator inspection. But what's so unique about her, she's built this wildly successful business and she is a woman leader in a man's industry. So she has this incredible opportunity that she's building out to be brought into primarily male dominated events, stages, conferences as a woman expert, because they all want diversity as they should. And so she has this incredible opportunity. So if there is an industry at all related to what you do, then there's probably conferences, there's probably workshops and events, and you should be able to get in there and, and, and start it, maybe a breakout and then make it up to main stage. If you do something different, weird, unique, whatever. I think the real question is, does it solve a problem? Again, if what you do, which is all we do in business, by the way, now I'm talking the problem of the business, not the problem of the content story arc, though that's all we're doing is solving problems either way. If if your content solves a problem, if your business solves a problem, then it is marketable, then it is valuable. If you're doing something weird, then it may be harder to find lots of events in that space. It may be you have to find a unique angle to get on stages or for that matter, podcasts or local media or national media. Getting booked may be a little bit more creative. You can do it. It's marketable. You can market. If, if you solve a problem, it's marketable. But you might just have to have a unique angle. So for example, let's say, use an example of, um, let's say there's someone that like does does grilling. I don't know, grilling. You might go to a Bass Pro Shop conference or some type of conference in the outdoor world. And you've got a session on how to grill the perfect ribs. And it's not because that's so essential. They just want variety in their sessions. And so you find an angle to market yourself to conferences that could connect with you on what you do. You just might need a more creative angle. But if what you do solves a problem for people at all, if you're not just there as entertainment, you're not a Kardashian just showing up, people watch you because you're cute or dramatic or whatever, then yes, it's marketable. You just might need to be a little bit more creative with it. Can you recall a time when you were turned down or you received harsh feedback? And how did that shape your approach um, as a communicator going forward. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you an example that it's not stage example. I hope that's okay. It's just what first popped in my mind. Um, I got asked to write an article for a magazine and this was like, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago. So they asked me to write an article for this magazine. They worked with our PR team. There was a lot of back and forth and it was a pretty long article. Like it wasn't like a, a short blog. It was probably two or 3000 words. And I didn't do any research on the 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 magazine my my pub, you know my publicist told me all about it and told me what the objective was and it was on life balance well I've spoken on this for years I have a best selling book on this this made sense so I just wrote my content to you know on the topic for the for the magazine to run and so they come back to me they come back to my publicist and said um, we need her to rewrite this and this is like thousands of words like I spent a lot of time on this Sean. And they're like, we need her to rewrite this. Like, this is not in our voice. This is not like, it's just like, apparently the magazine or, or whatever the, the publication was, was very academic, very like elite, a little snooty, very used to very formal language. Actually, the feedback I got was, we are really surprised. <laughs> we are surprised she's so chatty. And I said to my publicist, do, do they know who they requested? It's like my top five strengths and strength finders like that. That is the, they asked the wrong person. And so I think there's a, 
there's two sides to this, Sean. When you get difficult feedback, I think you need to ask yourself, what can I learn from this? But if it's if it's something where it's an accusation that is off base or just just not you, you've got to ignore that because they picked the wrong person for their for their article. They should not have asked me. I, I am only chatty. I am only conversational. It's my voice. It's my style. And to be anything else is inauthentic and fake. I don't even know how to sound like that. And so, you know, but I've gotten other feedback before. Like you talk too fast. I do. That's true. I'm working on it. I get excited and I talk fast. So when you get feedback that is true, it's like, okay, yeah, I can learn from that. Let me slow down. I do talk really fast. I always have my entire life and I need to work on it. Though you can tell by this interview, I've not gotten much better on it. But you're chatty. Yeah, I am chatty. And I, I actually really like that about myself that I'm conversational and approachable to the average person. And so I'm probably just not the best writer for your magazine. And so I think there's this, this balance of which feedback you let shape you and which you ignore. Man, um, that's really powerful. And uh, the self-awareness piece by also sometimes realizing the feedback, you go, I receive it but I'm also going to double down because I know who I am. But also the grain of truth can just make us a little bit sharper um, on the other side of that. You know, um, I want to ask you about the trends that you see for speaking, especially in light of virtual and content mm -hmm. and TED Talks in just a mm -hmm. second. We got to unpack some of the lessons you've learned about marketing leadership, YouTube content creation from your time at Ramsey and of bunch of other things that I want to cover. But I do want to also just recommend for those as we also kind of pivot topics here in a second, that um, they do connect with you in regards to your free resource, um, speakingstarterkit.com. I have a few friends who actually became pretty prolific at YouTube, great on camera communicators, and then started getting some opportunities to speak on physical stages. Mm -hmm. And there was kind of a crash. There was kind of scared. a, it was kind of like, yeah, they didn't do that great. Yeah. You know, like it, it didn't, it, they, there was just a, there was a skill gap difference mm -hmm. in the, there's one thing being locked in your room, right. speaking to a camera lens, that's its own skill set. And that right. is a thing to learn on both sides. So I do want to encourage those that maybe would say, you know, this is a skill I want to sharpen. This is a skill I want to develop to take advantage of your resources and your training. Um, but when it comes to uh, this idea of the evolution of public speaking, how has the world evolved in the last decade in light of virtual platforms, TED Talks? Because you've been doing this a long time. Do you see tra uh, trends or changes? And what are some of maybe the emerging trends aspiring speakers should be aware of in the next few years? Yes, for sure. Okay, so um, this is a great question. And I will say that some people that are best practices today, what we know today is the most effective speaking and communication. There are legends in the space that have been around a long time doing this before it was cool to do it. So, and again, I'm, I've just turned 40, so I haven't been around forever, but but used to, and some people still, you know, uh, still do this, used to, the rules with speaking was stand behind a podium and then here's the formula. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And you've got a laser pointer and you've got the little mic that comes up to your mouth and it's just boring as can be. You've got overhead projector that people are squinting to see. You've got size two font. It's painful. It's informational. It is boring. People are falling asleep. It is, it's, it's not a good way to influence and communicate. Now, 
what we know now and what you see really amazing professional speakers do, whether it is on the TED stage or anywhere for that matter, it does not matter. The best speakers are not great speakers. They're great storytellers. They are amazing at storytelling because there's fascinating research on how our brain processes story, not just the story arc of a talk like I teach, even individual stories sprinkled throughout your talk. In fact, I'll just share one example. A great resource for you guys is Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo. I have all these speaking books that I recommend in my course. I'll, I'll go through a few of them just if that might help you help you guys. And it, it works whether you're a speaker or not. But he, he uses an example of um, how they, uh, scientists wanted to understand why a story so effective. It's It's been the most effective form of communication since the beginning of time. Jesus told stories. Like we're talking about like from the beginning, it was stories. Why does this work? So they hooked up an audiences that uh, they had like a, an audience that were their participants and a speaker. And they hooked them both up to MRI machines. And they watched the brain waves as the speaker talked. When the speaker told stories, the exact same part of their brain, the speaker's brain that was activated, activated the exact same part of the listener's blank brain. It was called, it's called brain coupling. Where truly, as you experience a story, the audience is experiencing the story with you, which if you understand this, this is so powerful. You can hack into people's brain, like for good, only for good. Use this responsibility wisely. But it also showed that the listener's brain was much more active than any other time in the talk during the story. Multiple parts of their brain were lit up and active during the story that are not active during a talk. And think about this even as a, as a participant, Sean. When you're sitting in a speech, you're sitting in a talk, you're sitting in church, there are times when you zone out. And then the pastor or the speaker might say, so then the other day I was on a walk and you're like, you click back in gear. It's like your brain knows that the story is the exciting part. It's the interesting part. It's the part that they, they, they want to get involved with. And so the best speakers are not just good speakers delivering information. I don't know why I did the robot, but you know, boring, like just boring, boring information distributors. They're the best storytellers. They're the best storytellers. So you think of people like Zig Ziglar, they've been doing this a long, you know, Zig Ziglar did this before it was ever cool, but they're storytellers. In fact, um, Brian Stevenson, who at the time of Talk Like Ted being written, Brian Stevenson, who, who earned the longest standing ovation in TED history. So you mentioned TED stages. Brian Stevenson, who learned the, earned the longest standing ovation in TED history, spent 65% of his time telling stories. And how long is a TED talk? 18 minutes? He spent 65% of his time telling stories. Stories are the most effective way to communicate. Now, we'll caution everyone watching right now. The temptation is when you have a lot to say, which we all do in this business. We got a lot to say, don't we? We've got all the words. We just have so much to say. The temptation is when you're short on time, cut the fluff. And the fluff is often seen as stories. Get to the point, cut the fluff. No, 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 no. I have an entire lesson on stop winging it on storytelling because it's that important. Stories are what make everything else matter. Cut some points. You probably have too many points anyway. They can't remember all those points. Keep the stories. The stories are what make your audience engaged and listen and remember and act on what you've done. They help, it helps them internalize this. Think, think back even to, to talks you've heard. You probably don't remember what the pastor said. You don't remember the scriptures. You don't remember what that speaker said, but you will probably remember their stories. 
And so I would just say the most important thing people can do is tell more stories, add more stories to your content. It will bring your content to life and it will keep people interested and make people want to share it. It's the stories that make good speakers. Wow. You know, what's so interesting is um, I was recently uh, learning uh, in a session with Bob Goff. I know yeah. you know Bob. He's the and, best at that. And, and he is the ultimate break all the rules speaker. Mm-hmm. Because even as I listen to him speak, like if I'm trained formally, right. he's not doing it. Like right. even the way his slides are, right. but yet he's one, he just activates everyone's emotions. Everyone right. gets bought in and he's usually the most memorable speaker. Right. And it's kind of a loop of stories. And it's also, there's even a simplicity to it right. where sometimes I think as speakers, can you speak to that? We, we maybe try to impress people with knowledge and we try to impress people with information, but sometimes that can be forgettable or we can't retain it. Yes. And so I've noticed even that, honestly, sometimes the criticism of Ramsey overall is that, oh, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. And I think the counter argument is that's actually maybe the genius. Right. But you're not doing it. It's so simple, but you're not doing it. Yeah, because you're not doing it. And so sometimes the simple things are the most profound and power things, powerful things, what is your thought as far as being an effective communicator in terms of the power of simplicity or maybe, you know, lessons you've learned from other powerful speakers that you've observed in your own talks? Yeah, that's a great question. So I love the example of Bob Goff because I would love to highlight one point specific to Bob Goff. So speaking of when I was at Ramsey, we had um, Andy Andrews, for anybody that knows him, author, speaker. He came in and he was coaching us on speaking. This was a million years ago. So we were all like babies, new speakers, you know, we're just soaking up everything he says. And he had a brilliant um, strategy and he talked about the illusion of improv because when someone is scripted and it feels like they're delivering a line and then a joke and then a punchline and then point one and then point two, people, even if you tell stories, they'll be engaged, but it's not like them living in the moment with you. And Andy Andrews is brilliant at living in the moment with you. Bob Goff, brilliant at living in the moment with you. And so what is so beautiful and and so such something we could learn from, from Andy Andrews or Bob Goff, is there's something really powerful about just being you. So Andy Andrews is who he is on stage is who he really is. But he's also that on purpose. Who Bob Goff is on stage is who he really is. But he's also intentional. Don't think any of that was an accident. He's intentional with being who he is. Now, is that the only way to get through to people? Absolutely not. You don't need to go be Bob Goff if that's not your style. Some people, um, Patrick Lencioni, he's funny, but it's a, it's a more serious one. Let me give you some comedian examples. Humor is a really effective tool and storytelling, speaking, any type of content, by the way. I have a whole lesson on that for that reason, but let me give you two examples. Brian Regan, if anybody knows Brian Regan, and Nate Bargatze. Brian Regan is nuts. Like every muscle in his face is, is going all over the place. Muscles. I don't I don't even think I have. He's bananas. Like he's hilarious. He exaggerates. He screams. He makes animal noises. He's all over the place. And he's so funny as his style. Nate Bargassi, total opposite. Like he'll deliver a joke. And it's my husband's hubris, that quick wit. Like his face never changes, but it's hilarious very different personalities. So I think it's really important as we're talking about some of these best practices and even holding up the heroes of a Bob Goff for people to hear, you're going to be the most successful when you're the most you. Dolly Parton said, figure out who you are and then be that on purpose. Everything I am on stage is who I really am. 
and I'm intentional with it. And so I think it's really important for you to do what is your style? What is your humor? What is your storytelling, et cetera? And then back to the simplicity and I'll, and I'll keep this short, keep it simple. The, a person in audio format. Now YouTube is a little bit interesting because someone can go back and watch your video. Will they? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they're that motivated to watch it again and again, but especially when you're in a room, when you're talking about, um, or, or a podcast where it's, you know, maybe someone's on a run, they're in the carpool pickup line, whatever it is, when you're talking about an audio format, not a hard book that you can, you know, ear, you know, tag dog ear the pages and highlight and refer back to an audio format. People can only remember one thing, not 15 things, only one thing. So even in my 45 minute life balance talk, for example, the thesis statement of that talk is life balance is living from your values. That is the one main thing. So you need, especially for these longer formats, for the stage, for the keynote, your content, you need to boil your content down to one main idea in one sentence. Because if you don't know what the most important thing is, I guarantee your audience doesn't know. But when you do know, here's what's beautiful. Crafting your content gets easy because you know the one main thing. Well, what's the problem that that main thing solves? Okay, now you got your problem section. Build that out. Then your solution. Well, how do you act on that one main thing? How do you apply that one main thing? Okay, now I've got my action steps. One, three, five, whatever. What are the stories that make the case for that one main thing? I heard a really interesting interview with um, Donald Miller and uh, Andy Stanley. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Brilliant. You know, Andy Stanley's pastor, Donald Miller author, both authors, both brilliant communicators. And so they're on this podcast and Donald Miller is telling Andy, um, Andy Stanley this story of when he was at a college campus where he had been a speaker at like 10 years before. And interestingly enough, Andy Stanley was also a speaker at that conference at that time, 10 years before. So he's walking across campus and he's talking, I guess he like ran into a student or something and the student is talking to him and he goes, Oh yeah, I was at a conference uh, here years ago. You know, whenever I was a student, he goes, you know, who spoke Andy Stanley. And he taught us to duck, duck, duck. He recited back the main idea and what he was supposed to do. The student did. Well, Donald Miller was a speaker at that same conference. And Don goes, oh, really? You remember anybody else? Remember any other speakers at that same conference? Student goes, no, I don't remember anybody else. And then Don said something so brilliant to Andy, who they're, they're friends, obviously. He said, what I realized in that moment, and I've heard you preach a million times, what I realized is when you speak, you're not just speaking. You're leading the audience in an exercise in memorization. I want to say that again, because this is huge. You're leading the audience in an exercise in memorization. So anyone that has ever heard my fear talk, Sean, if, if I asked anyone that has ever sat under my teaching for the fear talk, which I've given for almost a decade, and I was to ask them as a quiz, them not knowing the context of our conversation, if I say, hey, what's the one main point of the fear talk? Every single one would say, do it scared do it scared because the problem set up that thesis. I unpack that thesis. I, I then apply that thesis. I drill that one idea home. Well, then when you're out there and you're about to go live on YouTube and you've never started a YouTube channel, you've got Christy right in your head going, do it scared. Do you remember the 45 minute talk? No, you don't. You may not even remember the stories, but you will not forget the main idea. So for every single content creator, you need to know what your main idea is. Because I guarantee you in an audio format, they cannot remember your 15 things. They can only remember one thing. And so you drill that one thing home over and over again, because if you want them to act on it, they need to be able to remember it. And they can only remember one thing. The one main idea is, is, is a very important part 
of communicating, especially if you want it to lead to an actual impact. Christy, you are crushing it and adding so much value. <laughs> I get excited, Sean. <laughs> um, and uh, I do want to ask, um, you worked for Dave Ramsey for many years and you were one of the leading personalities, wrote books, st- spoke on stage, and you spent a lot of time on camera. You had your own content, your own videos. You spent time on radio, which was also live streamed on video. Kind of in the world of YouTube, I think a lot of times people don't, uh, Ramsey and the personalities are known for this kind of traditional. They're known for radio, whereas I think it's anywhere from 10 to 20 million views a month that uh, the YouTube content is getting. You know, for our community, they really do want to grow their YouTube channels. Is there any lessons in regards to the video production, um, what you learned there in terms of content creation, and what you learned there maybe from working with a team that was surrounded uh, when it came to that specific video side of things at Ramsey? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, I'll give you a couple that just come to the top of my mind, and then we can dig into anything you want to. The first is this. Um, Ramsey is excellent at everything they do. And that's because excellence is a value. And so that means that they give their all to everything. And and not, and I don't mean that from like a time and a bandwidth standpoint. I mean, like from a, like a care, like they treat every interview, every opportunity, like it's the most important thing from a care standpoint. Like I'm going to show up for you and give you my all if I'm speaking to a room of 10 people or 10,000 and I've spoken to both. And so there's just a care and an excellence that goes into everything that they do. And I think that's a good reminder for people starting out on YouTube that maybe don't have a lot of views. If you don't care when it's a small audience, you're not going to click it on, flip the switch and care when it's a large audience. You learn how to care and how to be excellent from the very beginning. And so show up for your two views, even if one's your mom and one's your aunt. Show up and be excellent. And, And again, it doesn't have to be expensive equipment. It's just a care. Put the time and effort into delivering your content and adding the most value that you possibly can because you care. And, and you know, Sean, you know, it's not a surprise that I'm a person of faith, but it goes back to the scripture. If you are faithful with a few things, if you're faithful with the small things, God can trust you with more. And so I just believe there's a faithfulness in the small things that is essential to the character development. So when you get the 100,000 views, you can handle it and it doesn't go to your head and it doesn't destroy you and tear you down that you can actually handle it. So I think excellence just excellence, but especially excellence in the small things is, is a really big deal. Um, the second thing I would say, and this, this really goes back to something I was intentional about. And I think I just learned from the best of the best, regardless of the medium podcast, um, uh, video or stage, but I'll, I'll, let's focus specifically on video and stage. Okay. Um, you need to know your content. And what I mean by that is When you are connecting with people, the goal, if you're going to ever influence them, if you're ever going to influence them, sell to them, build your business through them, help them, impact them, if you're ever going to do that, you have to connect first. You have to connect first. This is not connecting. So then step three is, and then the other day I was going, so so the other day, right? So do you have to have your content memorized? No. Let me give you the rule of thumb I teach when I teach speakers. You need to memorize your intro your clothes, and your stories. You also need to memorize or at least practice really good your your, uh, your jokes so you don't screw them up, okay? Your intro and your clothes. Your intro is your first impression. Your clothes is the last thing they'll remember. And your stories are what create connection that helps everything else sink in. 
You cannot look at your notes during stories. The trust is broken. The moment is broken. The impact is broken. The empathy is broken. So you need to know your stories. And so when when I'm working with speakers, and again, this could be on stage, if you're on YouTube, you can put your notes directly below your screen where it looks, I mean, you can get them so close where it looks like you're looking at the camera, but you're looking slightly down to just, you know, check, make sure you're on track. There's, there's ways to work around it with video. Um, even, uh, on stage, if you've got a confidence monitor, you're, you're glancing down to make sure you're on track, but man, you need to know those stories. If you are going to tell a story that you have never told before, especially in a big opportunity, tell the story to yourself, to your dog, to the mirror. It doesn't matter. Just practice the story so you don't screw it up and, and, and break that trust and lose that impact. So I just think the connection piece is so huge and the connection happens through eye contact on camera or in person, the connection happens through eye contact. And as we know in business, people buy from those they know, like, and trust. As you tell stories and deliver your content, they're getting to know you more, like you more, and trust you more. But it happens when you keep that eye contact at the most important parts of your talk. So make sure you know your content before you get on stage or get on camera so that you're not breaking the trust and losing that opportunity. Man, these are some juicy insights. Um, that uh, you're sharing across such a variety of topics. We're learning about how to improve our videos, maybe being able to explore um, becoming a speaker, getting paid to speak. And you've got many resources for us there, as well as just nuances that will improve all of our communication. And you have me excited wanting to become a better storyteller and studying storytelling and so much good stuff. I do want to make sure that um, we get clarity for the audience on some ways they can go to the next steps uh, with you. And I do want to uh, then we'll land the plane in a second with kind of a new segment that we are doing here on the podcast. But there was just a couple of things that we'll be able to actually put in our show notes. There was the speakingstarterkit.com. And that's a really great resource that I think all of us could benefit from, especially uh, Think Media Podcast. If you go to speakingstarterkit.com and get that, it's even practical for getting on podcasts, um, being on other people's shows. And especially for us, when we think, man, I live in a small town or I live outside of the US or somewhere, how can I can't really network or I can't afford to travel? Well, we are living in a world where right now Christie's in Nashville. I'm up in the Pacific Northwest and uh, in a season with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. <laughs> um, I'm doing a lot of virtual stuff. Like yeah. this is a home office where I'm really building our company up. And uh, so, so definitely check out that resource because we're living in such a cool world. If you build a battle station, just like Christy did, and I was kind of, we were even talking about her camera, Sony ZV-1, I think, and some different things that she's been setting up. Anyways, make sure to get the speakingstarterkit.com. There's also a few other programs, uh, Christy, that you have that we could link to in your books. So before we land the plane with a few questions, what are just a few ways people can connect with you and some of the other resources that we can link up? Yeah, well, ChristyWright.com is where I house everything. But if you're specifically interested in speaking, that's StopWingingIt.com, named because everybody just wings it, StopWingingIt.com. And that has information about my course, Stop Winging It, as well as Start Getting Booked, which is a starter course to help you get on stages. And then I've also got free resources like the top 10 mistakes all speakers make and how to avoid them and some other encouragement there. So you can check that out at ChristyWright.com or StopWingingIt.com. Amazing. So definitely take advantage of that content and we'll link that up. We're in a new segment that uh, you'll repeat after me. Oh, no. So <laughs> I'm repeat so after me and then finish the sentence. Okay. And so um, 
If I were starting a brand new social media channel or YouTube channel, the first thing I would do is what? If I were starting a brand new social media channel, the first thing I would do would be seed content. I would put 12 to 14 posts in there and get it seeded before I start sending people there so they have more to consume and get a better picture of who I am rather than just one post. The biggest mistake new content creators make is? The biggest mistake new content creators make is not connecting on the problem. And I know we spent time there, but but people breeze past it. They don't want to waste their time. And then they lose the whole audience because they go straight to the solution and people check out. The most important mindset you need as a communicator in 2023 is? The most important mindset you need as a communicator in 2023 is that people need what you have to offer. If you're looking to the right and to the left and comparing yourself with everyone else, you're going to feel like there's no point to do this. No, no, no. There are people that need what you have to offer, your unique voice and style and story Remember that so you keep showing up. The best way to start building your confidence on camera is? The best way to start building your confidence on camera is to get on camera. Again and again and again, confidence is built through repetition. Just keep showing up. I think right there is an incredible place to end. Christy Wright, thank you so much for coming on the Think Media Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great. Hey, before we jump into the show, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you for listening. I know that life is busy and you have a lot of options when it comes to the content you consume. So whether you're new here or you've been listening to the Think Media podcast for years, I just want to say thank you and I appreciate you. Okay, let's jump into the show.